Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Paul tells us, and if you open your Bibles to Ephesians, remember we're, we're going through this series of sitting, walking, standing. We're, we're talking about walking rightly or living rightly today. And, and Paul tells us here in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Paul's giving us uh, the best alternative. Now, Paul tells us in the scriptures that we are to be pure. Now, we know that we're sinful people, that we need Jesus' sacrifice on the cross to cover our sin. He gives us a new chance. He, he is the one who makes us pure by his sacrifice, right? But we have this sinful nature and, and we're prone to, to not be perfect. Nevertheless, Paul here is urging us to be pure. And, and literally, I think it's interesting how it, how it correlates with the, no hint of anything. Being pure is the word unmixed. You don't mix anything else with it. it, it it's the pure, pure gospel, the truth of the Bible that God created us, God loves us, God knows that we have sinned, and, and still he provides the sacrifice to make us completely pure again in his eyes. And so Paul now is saying, so don't mix anything else in there. Be exactly and only what God created you to be. And live the way that God created you to live. In perfect harmony and relationship with him and his creative design. Now, um, how many of us remember doing something or watching something or listening to something something and saying to yourself, it's not that bad. Anybody besides me? Yeah. We've all done that, haven't we? We've, we've gone ahead and done something or participated in some activity or watched something and we said, well, you know, I know it's, it's not perfect, but it's not that bad. And when we do that, when, when we actually move forward against our better judgment or not just our judgment, but the prompting of God's Holy Spirit. When he says, that's not something you should do. That's not some place you should go. That's not someone you should be with. And yet we say, well, you know, it's really just not that bad. It's just a little bit of this or that that I know is wrong, but it's okay. What we're saying to ourselves is we're repeating the lie of Satan. 
It's just a little bit. And don't worry, God's got you covered. Right? God has us covered. We're forgiven, so we move forward because it's just a little bit of sin. And what does he say here? Uh, He says, no hint, no hint of sexual immorality. Do you know on on television, uh, you might think this is kind of funny, but back in in the 50s when television first started, they had some rules about sexuality on TV. Anybody watch uh, Dick Van Dyke show or Ozzie and Harriet? You know, they had twin beds. You remember that? Always twin beds. And, and, and there was a rule. There was no male, female in the same bed. That was against the regulations of TV and movies. And they also had a regulation that, that if they were sitting on a bed husband and wife even, that one foot had to be on the floor at all times. Now, we laugh about that. And now, how far have we moved from that? Not even a hint of sexual immorality. And how many of us have gone there, watched a movie, regularly watch a TV show where there is more than just a hint of sexual immorality. And we allow it into our minds, into our hearts. We see these things and we say to ourselves, it's okay, it's not that bad. What we're saying is, I can handle just a hint and not be harmed. Right? I can take a little bit of this in and it's okay. I'll I'll remain steadfast in my Christian commitment. Uh, I'll I'll be the best I can be. And and hence not hurting me. And yet we know that that's not the truth. See, the reason that Paul says this is not because he wants us to be legalistic. There's a difference for Christians. As Christians, we see what perfection is in Jesus and we strive to be like him. And we we come to this point where we say, you know what? I know that I'm forgiven and I know that that God wants me to avoid these even hints of sexual immorality. And yet still we we wade in and we think we're going to be okay. And then we find ourselves in situations where we are addicted to pornography. Or we have an affair. Or we just are looking at things and experiencing things that we know we shouldn't. You know why? Because that hint grows over time. Okay? You take a little drop of poison and it may not hurt you, but then you take another one tomorrow, another one tomorrow, another one tomorrow, and then all of a sudden you're in the doctor's office and you wonder why. He says, well, you, you have a lot in your system now. And you thought it was just a little bit, Right? And you wonder, how did I get here? How did I get to this point in my life where I'm, where I'm deep in some sinful behavior? And you wonder, well, it's because you let a hint in, a little hint in, a little hint in, a little hint in. Now, I know this sounds radical and it sounds legalistic. But understand that the reason God tells us this is not because he wants us to feel under the weight of legalism. He wants us to be free 
from sin. He wants us to be able to operate in a way that, that is, is total unabandoned freedom in Christ. And we let these, when we let these hints of sin into our life, what we do is we're putting those bonds back on us. Right? And then we live with this measure of guilt, this measure of shame. And we, we, we find ourselves not being able to be completely open with one another because we have these hidden things that started as a hint of sin. Right? And so Paul is saying this not to restrain us, but to set us free. To set us free. So he says, not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed. Greed is simply wanting more than you really need. And that can apply to anything, right? Greed. Foolish talk. Uh, foolish talk is actually derived from the word moros, M-O-R-O-S. Where it's where we get the word moron, Right? And the definition there is just basically someone who is intellectually deficit. Okay? And then he says also, uh, no coarse joking. So we just joke a little bit. You know, we joke a little bit. We joke a little bit. We joke a little bit. You know, we had this, this gal uh, went to high school with. Uh, she was the target of so many of our, I'll include myself, just poking a little bit of fun. Just poking a little bit of fun here, a little bit of fun there. She was jovial. It seemed like she could take it. And one day we come to school and the announcement is made that she committed suicide. You know what? Nobody blasted her. It was just all these little hints that she wasn't good enough, that she wasn't pretty enough, that she weighed too much. And all the hints combined led to her taking her own life. You see, these little hints, these little droplets that we think are insignificant are significant. And again, this is not a a thing that we should be involved in, but what do we do instead? What is the alternative? Well, Paul has a great alternative. He says, instead, or rather, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. If, If you really think about it, thanksgiving solves so many of these problems. I mean, think about it. The world tells you, you need this to feel good. You need that to be really happy. You need to experience this in your lifetime because if you don't, you're going to miss out. What Thanksgiving really is, is saying I'm satisfied with who I am. I'm satisfied with what God has given me. I'm satisfied with what I have. It it really is the opposite of consumerism, isn't it? And yet, that's where we live. But he says, replace all these things with thanksgiving. 
if we're truly thankful for what we have, I mean, content, we won't feel we need a hint of that sin to feel good, to feel complete, to feel like our longing has been satisfied because we have everything that we need. So what we need to do is practice thanksgiving and then partner with God to become more like Jesus. If, you, if, you're, if you're normal, then what you know is that you have a propensity, a leaning into sin. We still, Paul said, what do I do? Sometimes I'm just caught up in this old sinful body that just drags me down that sin path. What do I do? Well, he's talking to himself too. He, he has to practice thanksgiving for who God is and how much God loves him and how much God has forgiven him, how much God wants to, to continue to, to build on a relationship with him. But more than anything, he knows that he needs God's help. And God infuses us with his Holy Spirit. And then we are able, as he goes on in, in Ephesians 5, verses 5 through 7, he says, for this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be, what is the word? Partners. You know, um, I've probably watched way too much TV in my life, but uh, when I was growing up, I loved all those those. TV shows that, that you had a sidekick, right? I mean, those westerns and stuff, you had, you know, this guy and this guy, and they were always working together, right? I mean, one guy was definitely the big guy, you know, but the other one was always a sidekick. I always saw myself as not the big guy, but I'm the sidekick, right? Well, you know what? Every one of us needs to be God's sidekick. I mean, God is the man. I mean, Jesus is, is the, the one, right? But God invites us to partner with him, right? And we know that as the sidekick, we, we aren't the best shot. We aren't the strongest. We aren't the most able, but we're part of the winning team, right? I mean, you are part of the winning team. And so you need to understand and remember at all times that when that little, that little desire comes in through the flesh that wants you to have that, that moment where you say, no, it's not that bad, that little hint of sin, when you hear that, when you hear yourself saying that, that's when you need to partner with God and understand that he is there to help you. I love uh, Tim Keller. I read this just last night. He has this wonderful new book uh, called Forgiveness. It was the last work that he wrote before he passed away. But he says in, his, in this text, he says, when we really understand that we are forgiven, it does not lead to loose living or independence, but to respectful surrender to God's sovereignty. See, when we know how much God loves us and how much he's sacrificed just just to restore that freedom and that relationship that we have with him, we don't don't say things like, well, you know, I'll go ahead and do this little thing. I know it's wrong, but I'm forgiven. When we start thinking like that, we're thinking wrong. 
We're listening to a lie from Satan. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 says this, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. How many times is that word deceived? Satan is always ready to tell you a lie to make you believe that living in this pure life that God calls us to is not, a, not the best life, not the most fun. That's a deception. It's a lie. He says, don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, or adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's powerful stuff. You see, what God says is that if you claim to be a follower of Christ, you will lean in to purity. And you will abstain from certain things because even those little hints of things can take you down. I remember when our, when our kids were little and, and uh, we were kind of in the training mode for television and stuff and kids wanted to watch this and wanted to watch that. And, oh, it's not that bad, Dad. Um, we, we made a little sign. Well, it wasn't a little sign. It was a pretty big sign. And, and we, we wrote the Philippians passage that says, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is, what is perfect, what is right, right? Think on these things. And we put that sign and, and I made some yarn and then I put it in front of the TV. Just right in front of the TV screen, right? And then we had a little family powwow and we said, okay, if we're going to turn the television on, the question we're going to ask is what we're going to watch now does this fulfill this, this passage? Whatever's pure. That means unmixed, right? With bad stuff. Whatever's lovely. Whatever's excellent. Praiseworthy. Think on those things. And I said, okay, if you're going to turn the TV, you're going to have to move God's word out of the way to watch. Right? It changed our television habits. And unfortunately, I had to stop watching some of my television shows. Right? We took it seriously. Now, 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 you may think that this is a radical idea. But it is. Right? I mean, people in the world should think that we are strange. Because we don't do certain things. You know, more often than not, that would be a great starting point for sharing your faith with someone. How come you don't do that? It's not that bad. Well, it's got a hint of immorality. It's got a hint of this. And I just, thank you very much, don't want to go there. Because I've been there. And I became, in in, in a sense, addicted to certain things. Certain patterns of life. Certain ways of living that, that God doesn't want me to live that way. Because that leads to my bondage, not to my freedom. And so it's a great place to maybe have a conversation with a friend. To say, you know, I used to do that, but I'm choosing not to now. Okay? Simply stated, the things that Paul mentioned there, they just don't characterize the children of God. Uh, The verdict of God is that no matter what the claim may be, 
a life that is consistently involved in sin like this will not inherit eternal life. I've done funerals. I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm kind of like my, my family's chaplain. All right. You know, I'm the pastor in the family. My brother is a pastor too, but he lives in Canada. So I get to do all the local fu- funerals and stuff. Right. And my family, my dad and my mom, were really the only, like, born-again, you know, Bible-believing, really living-out-your-faith Christians. Some of them were churchgoers and stuff like that, you know, like, you know, Easter, Christmas kind of a thing. And then I would be tasked with doing the funeral for people like Uncle Walter, okay? Uncle Walter was a terrible, just terrible man. And I remember right before the, the, I was going to give the funeral address and, and things, uh, the family said, don't say anything bad about Uncle Walter. <laughs> I said, it's going to be a very short talk. <laughs> right? It, it, it pains me to know that, that here is a person who, by all evidence, is, is not with Jesus in heaven right now. And yet... The family wanted some solace. They wanted to know that this person who lived a terrible, disrespectful, ungodly life somehow got, got into heaven. And yet the scripture is pretty, pretty clear. It doesn't say that, that we earn heaven through our perfect life, our perfect church attendance, but by being perfect. No, we are saved by grace completely. But if you say the magic prayer, you, even you get baptized, and then you go off and you live like, right? An ungodly life consistently. And in the back of your mind, you say, yeah, you don't worry about it, you know, because I'm saved. The Bible says clearly that person does not have a relationship with God. Because a person who really understands who God is and what he has done would not intentionally continue to live like that, right? So uh, Luke six forty six says this. We know we will not be perfect in overcoming sin, but we understand that God will continue to forgive our sin as we continue to confess it, right? Continue to confess it. Agree with God that what you did is wrong. It's sin. I shouldn't be involved in that. Agree with God that it has been paid for by Christ's death on the cross. He paid the penalty. But then agree with God that you need to partner with his Holy Spirit and with his holy people to stay the course. Right? That's true confession. That's true confession. So, question. Is it time to eliminate maybe a hint of sin in your life today? Is it time to focus more directly, more regularly on thanksgiving for who God is and what he's done for you and and what he's provided for you, what he's already given you? Is it time to maybe renew that partnership with God and say, yes, God, I am fully committed to you. As the band comes up, I want to uh, to read Psalm 51. 
Psalm 51 is, a, is one of the, the psalms. It's a, a psalm of forgiveness, a psalm of repentance. And there are several in the Bible, but this is just a, a beautiful thing because it basically says that, that those of us who, who know we struggle in this life with sin, we know that God is good and that he's always there. He always hears us as we reach out to him in our desperation sometimes to overcome these sins. The psalmist says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sin. Wash me from guilt. Purify me from sin. Don't let me mix anything in my life that shouldn't be there. Right? For I recognize my shame, my shameful deeds. They haunt me day and night. But against you only have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You'll be proved right in what it says, what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the heart so you can teach me to be wise in my inmost being purify me from my sins and I will be clean wash me I'll be whiter than snow oh give me back the joy again broken me. Let me rejoice. Are you there? It's been a long time since you've really been joyful. Maybe it's because there's that little bit of sin that's just hiding in there. A little hint that you're leaving present you're not experiencing the joy that you once felt. Okay? Let's pray. God, forgive us. Forgive us when we think that we can keep on doing things that we know are wrong because we're forgiven. Help us to to walk a pure path. Lord, we long to be restored to that point of elation, of just unadulterated joy in knowing that you have forgiven us completely. You have wiped our sins off the map and you've, you've made us whiter than snow. Lord, let us not mix anything in there that shouldn't be. Help us to live a pure and holy life as you call us to. We know it's hard, but God, thank you for your family of God. Thank you for the love you pour out. Thank you for the non-judgmental spirit of your people that allows us to embrace one another as we move forward deeper and deeper into holiness and purity. God, we love you so much. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. 
And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.